Welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. I was watching the Roast Battle Canada recently, and uh, they made they made Ottawa jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, and more importantly, there was a lot of jokes that are very specific to Canada. I was actually really impressed uh, with it. They had a couple of uh, gay folks uh, performing. Okay. And But what, what I've enjoyed about the show, I think you can catch it on Crave, is the jokes are very funny. It is very, you know, in the most Canadian way possible. They see the line. They walk okay. up to the line. Mm-hmm. They politely say hello to the line, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then that's that's where the interaction ends. Nothing is overly mean. Everything is in good humor, and I think that that's important to have. You know, it's good to have gay people had jokes made about them because there is a lot to make jokes about with gay. Oh people. yes, as oh, a yes. gay man, I can yes. say that. Uh, I mean, this is going to be showing my my age bracket a little bit, but quite famously, Margaret Cho was good at that. Uh, about half of her act, depending on what tour she was on, was gay jokes. But it was gay jokes where it's like, because of the delivery, because of how she said it, you could tell it wasn't mean spirited. It was just, it was just Margaret Cho being Margaret Cho. We've also been watching the latest seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Now, I will say that one of the other hosts on the radio station I work at, CRUTFM, mm-hmm. uh, has. Uh, seen season one of RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Okay. And was immediately put off, you know, okay. just not for them. It was the meanness. Oh, the meanness. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of uh, hostility. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. The first season was absolutely dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. But, uh, this latest season, it is, it is very good. What I've been amused by, Sebastian, which I think you may also be amused by, the drama of the Toronto Queens oh, yes. on RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. It is oh, yes. very, he said, she said, very high school drama. And then you've got the Queens from Quebec City, from Montreal, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> get back to sequins. Get back yeah, to, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're here to win a, a lot of money. Like, why yeah. are you bickering like children? No offense to children. Because I know for a while you weren't, you, you remain not the biggest fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, specifically for that kind of reality TV drama that permeates yeah. it. It's the the unscripted television competition format uh, that I generally don't like. Uh, the only exception is the Great British Bake Off, but that's because everyone is so incredibly pleasant at all times. And they're all encouraging each mm-hmm. other. Well, sticking to the idea of, of comedians, we were told about uh, an initiative by Base 21, uh, sorry, Base 31 uh, in Picton. They've helped to organize a uh, We're Funny That Way, uh, the festival, the comedy festival, okay. um, which will be taking place September 2nd to the 4th. Uh, quite the incredible lineup. Uh, let me just uh, see if I can I, I have the pulling up the poster and the new image here so I can get the actual... Names we've got uh, David Benjamin, Karen Williams, Heather Bumbrick, um, just great. Then, uh, Leah, like that, really, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's a great, uh, great idea. They are if you're in Picton, uh, is worth going, I think. But we were talking about this in advance, and we were talking about, oh, you know, I don't know, I mean, I, I enjoy a bit of comedy, mm. but one of the things that they have, which kind of jumps out at me, is that there's camping. You know, it is giving me sort of Woodstock vibes and yeah. we've seen how, how that can go. But oh, yes. they have camping. It's about, uh, how much was it? Like 150 or 
Um, it was reasonably priced. Uh-huh. What are we looking at? 300 for a three-night camping package with a with a festival ticket, with one festival ticket. Okay. But, you know, I've gone camping on provincial sites and they're like 60, 70 bucks a night. Okay. So three nights, you're you're not paying a huge amount more, really quite a negligible amount more to go and also have access to a three-night comedy festival. Hmm. I don't know. There is something about leaving on a Friday. Just going camping, being with friends, it's mm-hmm. all gay, all camping. It's like a carry-on movie almost. And then you come back on a on the Sunday or, or a Monday. I think, I think the carry it, is, on. it is giving it is giving me carry-on camping vibes. Yeah, it carry on might be uh too obscure a reference. For... Oh, is that is that too British a reference for our audience? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, all the British people listening are gonna appreciate my carry-on yeah. camping reference and a portion of the tickets go to support the Rainbow Charity Network. So I believe that uh, that particular network helps Hmm. to bring in LGBT refugees uh, and settle them uh, in Canada. That makes me think of uh, just the the problem with Canadian tours. A lot of major people like, you know, Madonna or whatever, or Cher, when they go on their world tour, they come to Canada, they go Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, call it a day. And Mm -hmm. uh, there were a few musicians who were famous for saying, if I'm going to go to Canada, I may as well go to multiple sites. And uh, they went everywhere, everywhere with a concert hall big enough that would carry them. And there are two people in particular, actually three. Uh, one is uh, Jan Arden, obviously. One is Bare Naked Ladies, obviously. And one of them was Weird Al Yankovic. And he Ooh. actually said that Yellowknife was one of his favorite concert venues in North America because he said everyone there just knew how to have a good time. Uh, but I like the idea of a comedy festival doing the same thing. Like, if we're going to tour, we're going to go on tour. Like, we're going to go to St. Kitts. You know, we're going to go to Medicine Hat. We're going to go to, uh, oh, come by chance. They're probably not yeah, going to go to You were struggling chance. to find uh, some, some more obscure names. I knew um, somebody from Come By Chance, and he explained to me why I got the name. It's in a valley, and if there's one road in and one road out. Well, two roads total, I guess. And if you don't know how to get there, uh, the only way to get there is by misfortune, basically. Hmm. So, yeah, it's just a valley city. Come by chance, yeah. That's a great, a great name, name for a valley city. That's hard to find. Now, we also heard, uh, we also were outreached by uh, the folks over at Minden Pride. Uh, so, you know, Cottage Country in, uh, in, uh, in Ontario for our listeners outside of the province. Um, you know, many, many of our listeners in Toronto, maybe go up to Minden. You know, there's a lot of people that go up into the, to the cottages on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in the area, August 22nd to 28th, so a bit earlier than the Picton uh, Comedy Festival that we mentioned earlier, they will be having a week of various things. But we are big fans of Small Town Pride. We love a Small Town Pride. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that really tickles me about this one is that parade is on the river. Oh, it's giving me Amsterdam meets like the cottage. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like because you know, Amsterdam is on the canals and it's a it's a whole new level. I can just I can just imagine someone on a dinghy or a small rowing boat, or more than likely, it's just hmm. a lot of people on canoes with with, with rainbow flags. Um, what you call like a what would you call a canoe float? Is that like a, a not a tortilla? Not a, what? Not a, <laughs> oh my god! Not a flotilla. That's. What I, <laughs> I guess it is a tortilla. tortilla yeah. A tortilla of yeah. uh, of uh, pride uh, canoes. No, it is a flotilla of pride canoes. I um, guess there's no marchers because 
if you swim alongside, then you just see a bunch of heads in the water, and that's not that's not really yeah. like you can't wave yeah. and tread water at the same time. And if you are waving and treading water at the same time, the lifeguards might get suspicious. This is true. And yeah. if, if yeah, so you're absolutely right. Well, that that parade isn't really a parade because can you parade in water? I mean, if you try hard enough, you can parade I mean, anywhere. That's you true. Want. This yeah. is this sounds like almost ex- existential question. But they have a whole bunch of things. They have the flag raising, which I think uh, may have been a little bit earlier. But they also have uh, a couple. Was of the flag like, raising uh, in the water? <laughs> like on a buoy middle, <laughs> middle of the lake raising a flag and a buoy um no they also have a comedy night a burlesque ball a tea dance a street festival but it is the floating pride parade down the gull river that really gets i i i am um, i hope they take photos and i sincerely hope they share them with us um because that's what I absolutely love about small town prides compared to big city prides. The fact that in Montreal, mm. they canceled on the 11th hour because they just didn't have enough people to stand guard. Yeah. But in Minden, get yourself a canoe, yeah. get yourself a little pride flag or even or- just rainbow colored objects because let's mm-hmm. be real here. Um, and and float on down the Gull River and that's it. That's your contribution to uh, addressing homophobia. But more importantly, it shows that in these communities, it is fun. It yes. makes sense for where they are. Yep, yep. And it demonstrates to everyone in the area that, yeah, we, we get these people. We are these people and they all live in our community. And it's that that small town innocence and fun that I absolutely adore about yep. it. Well, also the fact that they are willing to be creative with events. So like you, you might go to a small town and they have, you know, a log rolling competition and Holstein beauty pageant. <laughs> because why not? They're in a dairy community next to a river. Let's do it. Let, let's put wigs on cows. Uh, the, the cows probably wouldn't care. Just don't put lipstick on them because they're going to lick it. and That's probably bad for their digestion. And make the pigs jealous make the pigs jealous right but you could give them beets and stain their lips with beets and then you have cows with like beet red lips and a wig and that's that's your holstein beauty pageant in a small town <laughs> pride you could see that happen that's possible absolutely well if you're in the minden area uh, go and check out their various uh, pride events scheduled and likewise uh, if you are in the picton area or thinking of what to do the first weekend in September, a camping trip with comedians. Mm-hmm. That does sound uh, less intolerable than I usually find company of other humans. So <laughs> it, it will, I think it'll be great. All right, let's 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 take a break before we go any further. We'll be jumping mm-hmm. with our first, uh, first song of the day. This is Rooms uh, from uh, What the World. Uh, so yeah, this is Rooms by the band what the world and i believe they're out of vancouver and they have a very vancouver sound okay you know i mean there is definitely a distinct sound of uh queer folks in vancouver very tegan and sarah very acoustic okay you know what i mean it they it it screams i'm queer in vancouver like that's from this all right we'll be back this is rooms by what the world Follow the guidelines, but we feel a bit out of it, to be honest. 
Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. Uh, my name is Sebastian. And uh, yeah, moving on to a little bit of drama, actually. Oh. Um, and that is about World Pride. World Pride has uh, stumbled into global uh, global politics. It's Something, like waded, yeah. waded deep into... Uh, the 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 what's happening um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a bit of a mess so there was go there was going to be a world pride in 2025 in taiwan were you aware yes. of this 
Uh, I think I heard about it some time ago that it was on the list of uh, potential places. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, uh, so the next one is going to be Sydney. Um, and I, I'm not sure where it is, uh, where it is going after Sydney. Um, but we had it in Toronto in 2014. Then it went to Madrid. Then it was in New York for Stonewall 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's in Malmo. It was in Malmo last year. Malmo. Um, I'm sorry, what? Malmo. It's the O with the two dots. It's okay, yes, it is. Copenhagen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then it, uh, it'll be going, it sort of travels around the world. Yeah. Yep. I think World Pride in 2017, mm-hmm. 2014, sorry, had a million people mm-hmm. go to Toronto for World Pride, bearing in mind that Toronto has a population of 3 million people. So mm-hmm. for every three people in Toronto, there was another person <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 just for Pride. Like it, it is, uh, it is really really quite and it, uh, it is overdue to be uh held in southeast asia uh th- there's unfortunately just because of the way that uh some of the the legal systems work in the region not all countries uh have the human rights record mm. that you would want to have um i do know that like uh, famously the philippines it depends on what island you're on and this is true about literally everything about language food culture uh gender relations all that uh, the philippines is a very diverse place but manila i know that manila was on the list of, of a potential place taiwan was on the list there's a few places in indonesia that are on the list tokyo probably wouldn't host it because tokyo doesn't host that much um but you know the taiwan was not a bad choice and it part of the issue and uh you're probably going to correct me on this because i became familiar with this story uh before we started recording uh, but one of the issues is, okay, so it's not going to be all of Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is a moderately small region, but it's not completely tiny. Like it does take about a day and a half to drive across the island. So it would actually be happening in Kaohsiung, um, which is not the major city, but it's one of the major cities on the island. Um, and after a ton of negotiations of calling it World Pride Taiwan, uh, they suddenly realized uh, we can't do that because not just because of the politics of the complicated politics of China and Taiwan, but also we just don't do that. It wasn't World Pride Canada. It was World Pride Toronto. It was World Pride Madrid. It was World Pride Sydney. So this would just be World Pride Kaohsiung, semicolon, in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. But none of the paperwork showed that. None of the contracts showed that. I mean, really, this is just an issue of contract law where it was like, oh, we need to revise all this for it to be valid and it looks like instead of doing that they just pulled out well yeah it's 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 sticky and messy so yeah pride and taiwan pride Mm -hmm. pride themselves had put in a bid by enterprise for world pride 2025 taiwan and uh, from what we can tell (laughs) enterprise then accepted the world pride 2025 Taiwan mm-hmm. did. They mm-hmm. had been referring to it as the Taiwan World Pride. Taiwan, you know, Kaesion and uh, Taiwan had been referring it to, uh, you know, World Pride. Everybody had been, re- they even set up a committee to help organize it called Taiwan Pride. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you know it, it really isn't a surprise. But as I'm sure our listeners know, there is a lot of very awkward 
Mm. Uh, and awkward, I think, is the, an understatement. History and uh, delicate balance with, uh, you know, with China's uh, recognition or, or complete lack thereof yeah. of Taiwan and its essential claim that it is a, a, a part of China. Um, so calling it Taiwan pride means a lot. Now, as mm. queer folks, we know that words hold so much power and so much meaning. Mm-hmm. And for these, uh, these organizers, they had come in. They started day one, even before they were even approved. At every point, it has been Taiwan Pride. Right. Now, on the flip side for Kirsian, I was mentioning earlier about Madrid Pride, World Pride Madrid, you know, so-and-so, World Pride Toronto, World Pride New York, yep. World Pride Rome. You know, it's not that it was World Pride USA, World Pride Italy, World Pride Canada. It was the cities, and that's the convention that it's always been. Right. It seems like neither side was willing to or willing or able to really find uh, something that works. It was a licensing issue. Interpride mm-hmm. refused to issue the license uh, if it's uh, called Taiwan. Okay. Interpride claims uh, that it was the Kaohsiung Pride organizers me, that withdrew. And I think we've seen other reporting that says it was Interpride themselves that had refused to uh, or, or re- required this name change from mm-hmm. what it had been before. Uh, Interpride says on their, uh, on their Twitter feed, which is the only place where they issue any kind of statements, uh, was that the, uh, they were surprised to learn about the decision of KH Pride to walk away from negotiations to host World Pride 2021. They go on to say, we were confident a compromise could have been reached with respect to the long-standing World Pride tradition of using the host city name. We suggested using the World Pride Christian Taiwan as the name. Mm-hmm. We were also working with KH Pride to ensure that they would deliver the event they promised to our members who voted for their bid. While we were disappointed, Interpride respects and acknowledges KH Pride's decision. So that's a statement from the board. Now, our listeners are probably thinking, well, this is really interesting, but you know, I don't have the money to go to Taiwan for World Pride in 2025. Mm-hmm. How does this you know, relate to me? Well, Fierity Canada Pride, the national organization of uh, pride organizations here in Canada, the has Canadian a bit of an... Interpride, like they, they organize... A exactly. lot. Yeah. Oh my God. A lot of small town prides get their funding. Uh, if, they, if they fall short of uh, funding, they, there's like an interpride fundraising pool that they can mm-hmm. like lump into to get new prides started. A lot of new prides get started for, uh, with help from Fierty Canada Pride. And when we talked about the, the liberal budget a little while back, um, they poured a lot of money and a big, uh, you know, a significant amount of it. I think there was there was a, a decent grant that went to Fierta Canada Pride specifically to help pride organizations across the, the country. Mm-hmm. But they are one of the most stable national level pride organizations in the world. And they have a bit of an outsized impact on international pride organizing because they are, they have their... Uh, stuff together is is how I'm going to frame it. So okay. we, we have an active interest in the the World Pride and Interpride. There's been Canadians involved uh, for a long time. I'm not entirely sure if we have Canadians on the board right now, um, but there there have been for a while. I don't know. I think this would be this would have been the first time that World Pride would be in Asia. 
And let's not entertain the idea that uh, Asia doesn't have pride. It has, there's a huge number of them. Oh, yes. Taiwan, you know, pride in Taiwan has been absolutely massive for the last little while. Um, so this is, this is a very disappointing uh, turn of events. I mean, yes. Um, partly because it's specifically Taiwan and partly because it, it's such a, an easy thing to, to fix of just saying it's, it's you know, world pride, Kaohsiung, semicolon in Taiwan. I, I, I don't know, like, as, as the story was thinking going on, I was thinking what it would be an analogous region that's less of a hot button issue. And I was thinking, like, what would happen if there were world pride on Isle of Man? And there was debates about whether or not they should say World Pride Isle of Man, semicolon, in the UK or in Great Britain. And Isle of Man would be like, we're not, we are Great Britain, but we're not UK. And just, it would turn into a thing. Because I know the Isle of Man has a complicated relationship with the rest of, of the UK, but they consider themselves British. They're just not part of the UK. So, and, and I, I, I don't know. It would just be weird for them to just cancel the whole thing because they couldn't figure out what to put on paper. Just because well, I, I think that there is, I get I get the 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 sort of uh, spidey sense tingling that yeah. there's even more drama underneath the hood. Yeah, you know, there is uh, a few medias have reported, you know, reference to uh, essentially, you know, the 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 Pride organizer said this is what we can do, and there yeah. seems to be a lot of double checking. Okay. Into pride. Okay. You, act, you know, do, are you actually able to deliver this? Is this okay. is this something that you're you're able to do? Almost, the reporting seems to imply almost uh, questioning the competency of of whether or not things could be delivered to the scale oh. that had been promised. Um, and then when you add that to the context of the organizers believing from day one it is the Taiwan Pride to mm. be told. You know, on the 11th hour, just before signing contracts, that they will only call it uh, Casey on Pride. You know, I think Interpride did a bit of backpedaling with the mm. suggestion of also including Taiwan at the end with a with a comma. Um, but I don't know. It seems like they may have soured the waters, um, and uh, a compromise is just not uh, not not attainable. Mm. Oh, that's Messy a bummer stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, speaking of, we are going to be moving on now to some terror, you know, ongoing news. We looked at monkeypox and we looked at uh, at the story the of monkeypox. Yes, like we the didn't... story of the, just. I mean, I, I I haven't personally been looking at monkeypox. That was not uh, not in the job description. But no, we've been looking at it, and there's a great new tool by the government of Canada, the Health Canada has uh, released uh, their information uh, database uh, documentation. It's a really nice graph. Things move. It's very fancy. Oh, um, yes. People, people who get excited about statistics should uh, go take a look at this graph. We we always wax poetic about a nice graph. So, you know, oh. we, uh, that's that's how we roll. Yeah, no, this is, this is really good uh, data handling for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But one of the things that jumps out of me is, uh, you know, there's been a lot of reporting on where things are at. There are now 1,168 cases uh, confirmed at time of recording, actually at uh, August 19th is the date of this uh, data available with 571 of those 
in Ontario and 453 of those in Quebec. Now, for our listeners out in Vancouver, in BC, uh, a bit concerning is the steepness of the, the sort of the, the line graph for new cases in BC. Okay. Uh, we're seeing a, a pretty sharp and rapid increase uh, in BC. Uh, you know, but we also saw the same thing in Montreal, and yeah. then we saw the same thing in Toronto, and uh, it seems like now it's it's gone and reached BC. And and you, but the good news that I wanted to share with folks is looking at this very fancy graph. There's a big old mountain, and the rates go up and up and up, and then they're coming back down. Okay. And I think that's the that's the 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 key information here, and this is why I think. You know, a lot of uh, Public Health Canada and others are not panicked about how monkeypox is going in Canada. They're, they're, mm-hmm. The evidence would seem to suggest that we've hit the peak and now we're, now we're coming back down. Mm-hmm. And that has only been possible by the most uh, likely to catch, uh, I say most likely to catch, you know, I think it's 90% of, of cases where data is available in Canada is men that have had sex with men. Yes. So that, that, I mean, that, that's just what the data says. Yep. And in that group in Montreal and Toronto, a lot of folks are out getting vaccinated. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it seems to be having an impact. And looking at these curves, like the, especially the one from British Columbia, this kind of, because it was plateauing for a while. Uh, in terms of new cases, and then I had a spike. And that's the kind of thing that's more consistent with a super spreader event. Um, normally, what you would say is that it, it, it's either a super spreader event or it would just be a coincidence that it all happened all at once. And normally, uh, statisticians and like public health experts, they hate the C word. They, they do not like to say it's just a coincidence. But the problem is when you're dealing with very large numbers, like you know the population of Vancouver, um, it could be, it could be, uh, it could be a coincidence. But the the fact that it is plateauing um, is pretty optimistic. I'm I'm just I'm I'm I love this graph by the way. I don't know what they're doing in data <laughs> handling this day, but I keep playing with it. It's just... Somebody needs a raise for uh, for, yeah. for data handling. Um, the big things that I wanted to know is that Canada, I believe, has launched a, a committee. Mm-hmm. Um, to to review this uh, actively, a special advisory committee for the chief medical officers of health for Canada and each of the provinces. So the government of Canada launched a similar committee with COVID-19 when that uh, particularly took off early in the epidemic. Um, so they've done a step here now to, to do the same. And that's that's important because it means everyone's in the same room reading from the same uh, reading from the same book right uh, and we're not going to get a hodgepodge of uh, reactions now we had mentioned earlier that government of canada had promised 90,000 vaccinations uh, across the area and that seems to be the number of do- sorry 99 doses of invimune the the vaccine that's registered um the health canada announced that there have been over 50,000 vaccinations as of August the 11th, at this point in time now, about a week or two later, mm-hmm. uh, probably looking at even more vaccinations. I am still concerned that with a stock of 99,000, 50,000 of them already in arms, um, you know, make sure that you are, if you are vulnerable and at risk, uh, to go out and get a vaccine. And hopefully Government of Canada can ensure a, a safe and uh, consistent supply 
um, of that of that vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. An interesting approach being taken by the government of the United States is they have allocated 50,000 doses of the vaccine for pride events. Okay. So what they're going to be doing is the federal health department is going to roll up at pride events all across the country and just have pop-up vaccination clinics because, you know, short of Halloween, what other way do you get gay folks to gather in the same space on mass in ideal circumstances for a uh, vaccination drive than at pride events. I mean, you say that, but uh, you and I both know that the gays, they, they don't really go out on Halloween. They mostly do the house parties because the Halloween is the one night of the year where the straights act like the gays and the gays are like, oh, too much. And then they stay home. Um, but yes, uh, uh, the only concern that I have is uh, it is a it's the kind of vaccine where you need a booster. You need a second dose well, yeah, 40 I to 80 days depends. later. Yeah, yeah. So getting that first dose on the day of Pride, that's great. Well, what happens to the second dose? Uh, do they give you like a card about where to go and when to get it? Mm-hmm. Well, so, I, mean, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, these are just logistical issues that are not included uh, in their announcement, but I just, I hope that that does get considered, you know? You know, I think why I like this idea about showing up at Pride events is because what we need in some of these areas where it's really taking off and in areas where it has a strong potential to take off mm-hmm. is that huge immunity of enough people vaccinated. Now, mm-hmm. the, so many people have heard about huge immunity and so on, and sort of the more people vaccinated, the less folks are, are at risk of transmitting it amongst each other. Yeah. You know, we, we know all this from, from the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, they're applying that same logic to this situation. Like, who is the most people to be, most likely to be hurt and injured by this? Mm-hmm. You know, gay men, let's get them all vaccinated now with at least one dose. So if it does show up in your town, it's not going to go anywhere. It's, you know, it, it's it's blocked by the mm-hmm. fact that those who you may have uh, uh, intimate li- liaisons with uh, are already vaccinated, even if it is one dose. So I think the priority from the US government is just to get shots in arms and stamp down. They have about 13,000 cases already, 13,500. Wow. Um, and it's, uh, they've distributed about a million doses of the, of the, uh, the vaccine um, around the world. There was a study that has found that, I mean, this is, this is man discovers sky is blue. Um, but there was a study that found that there is mounting evidence that this particular strain of monkeypox uh, could well be uh, sexually transmitted. Uh, it's worth noting that there was another studies that found that there has been found inside of saliva, inside of yep. semen. Yeah. Uh, it's for those. I've been saying this for three weeks now. Like it, it's, I it's, know. Yeah. It, it, it's sort of like, cold and flu is technically not a sexually transmitted disease in the sense that you're going to get it from airborne particles long before it enters your body but cold and and flu virus is in saliva you could Mm -hmm. get it from kissing someone so is it a sexually transmitted disease no it is a disease with multiple vectors in which sexual transmission is one of the strongest most likely to pass on so monkeypox is it a sti not really not technically but under that definition, then neither are most STIs because most of them have multiple vectors. 
I don't know. It, it's the, the whole thing has been bothering me. And, and the fact that the WHO and CDC announced in the past week that they are going to consider it to also be an STI. Um, every single journal that I've read, like, and th- these are like, you know, New England Journal of Medicine, kind of like pretty serious journals have been saying for a month now, we should consider this to be a non-STI that has STI vectors. So I don't know. But the, the fact that it took them this long, I know that they were trying to do it for public health reasons and they didn't want stigma and they didn't want panic and they didn't want widespread homophobia. And I'm very sympathetic towards that. But by not being clear and honest about the vectors of transmission, you put people at risk. Well, Public Health Canada says in terms of how monkeypox spread is from person to person. Yes. We have just added the detail that when you look at all of the persons who have caught it from other persons, yes, uh, they have been uh, intertwined previously uh, to, to that mm-hmm. transmission taking place. But Public Health Canada also notes that you can get it through direct contact with contaminated objects. Yes. Uh, and also from animals to humans. Interestingly, there was a story out of Paris, France, where two gay men who uh, engage in activities in the wider community, let's say, mm-hmm. a bit of euphemism, um, they uh, each contracted uh, monkeypox. But their dog, who sleeps at the end of their bed and hangs mm-hmm. out with them, uh, about a week later had lesions on its stomach. And they discovered that when they tested it, because they were like, what if, that mm-hmm. the dog had contracted the exact same strain of monkeypox mm-hmm. as they had. So yep. it worked back the other way where yep. the dog had caught it off the human because nothing nefarious happened here, yeah. but it is that contaminated objects being in this case, the bed sheets and the bedding um, or, or which their hands is where it went or their hands. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They exactly. could have just been petting their dog and it transferred. Uh, it, it's referred to as a reservoir. And that's something that they're actually very worried about uh, because there's a few very common human diseases that go into squirrels. Squirrels carry disease. Surprise. I'm sure nobody here is shocked to hear that. But there's a few human diseases that fall into the reservoir of squirrels where they are asymptomatic to them. It's just a virus that they're carrying. So you could have something like a seasonal flu that falls into the squirrel reservoir and kind of disappears for a while. And then when it comes back out again, because it's been hanging out in squirrels and hasn't had the human uh, immune response attacking it, it can mutate pretty quickly. So this is something they're worried about. Uh, if monkeypox finds its way into non-human species, it, it could mm. fall into a reservoir and just sit there and like learn new tricks before jumping back into humans. So there is sort of an evolutionary thing that they're a little bit worried about. So yeah, the, the zoological transfer is a, it, it could be nothing. It could also become weaker by falling yeah. into rats yeah. or cats or whatever, but it, or pigeons. Uh, but they're just sort of, you never know. And it, exactly. we, would, we yeah. would rather not find out. That's who, really knew, what who had monkeypox in pigeons uh, on their bingo card? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> not that I, we have any cases of pigeons with monkeypox. It actually may not be likely, to be honest. I may have misspoken. They have a different kind of skin, so they, they uh, may not anyway, be. Anyway, the yeah. <laughs> other thing the government of Canada is looking into is the possibility of asymptomatic transmission, essentially having monkeypox and, frankly, just not knowing about it, yeah. uh, not having any of the, the common symptoms at all. And on that point, there were researchers that looked at 224 samples from a health clinic in Belgium, Mm -hmm. And what they found was that there were a few 
a small spattering. We're talking about a handful of men who had gone in uh, for other reasons, you know, chlamydia or crabs or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. um, to, to be treated and uh, did not have the sort of, you look at it, hmm, that's a monkeypox lesion kind of lesion. So they didn't have them. They just didn't. But uh, the study, uh, which will be published in the Nature Journal, uh, looked at these 224 samples and found that some of them uh, were positive for MPV, so the monkeypox uh, virus. Um, oh. And that is uh, the first sort of scientific evidence that, yeah, there may be folks uh, there. So I believe the UK is recommending that anyone who has caught monkeypox uh, use a condom for at least, uh, I think it's 12 weeks uh, afterwards. Uh, Canada okay. is obviously recommending to have fewer sexual partners and uh, obviously to get vaccinated. And there is an ongoing discussion about if you have monkeypox, uh, keeping the rest of your family safe, including your pets, mm. um, and just uh, staying out of the way. But nothing is quite as effective as going and getting vaccinated. So we strongly recommend everyone to go and do so. We are out of time on the monkeypox topic because uh yeah that uh, it's a thing so this is uh mint simon we're a big fan of mint simon with some of everything and we will be back just after this
and welcome back to Cancre, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Stilluk Smith. And I'm Sebastian. So there is a uh, festival in New Orleans called the Southern Decadence Festival. Okay. It is a very, very popular LGBT uh, festival. Um, the, the, the first time they're having this fantastic festival since COVID uh, is uh, later in September. And they had planned for one event in particular to be a, uh, a, a, a free concert at this at this festival okay and they have canceled the concert um now it's worth knowing why they canceled the concert uh one of the organizers chuck robinson told the advocate that there will be and i quote hot sweaty people gathered in the street four blocks 21 people deep people have their shirts off they're shoulder to shoulder dancing as they would celebrate a lifetime of music and concert. This is wonderful, but the danger for monkeypox. So I know we've we've moved away from monkeypox, but I forgot mm-hmm. about this story. And I just wanted to share it because I am glad that some of these party organizers are finally cluing in mm-hmm. that when you get a whole bunch of people with their naked skin on their arms and their shoulders and stuff, yeah, rubbing yeah, yeah. all over each other, that maybe things are going to spread yeah especially <laughs> yeah. when they're also sweaty so they'll be they'll be hot and moistly and then they'll, they'll they'll get their skin all over each other yeah well it, it's on the one hand it's you could say the audience members should probably take responsibility for their own well-being and wear a long sleeve shirt but new orleans in the hot summer is kind of famously yeah yeah, yeah. new orleans you know first week of <laughs> september would you wear a turtleneck in a in a crowd of twenty people either side and around you, like I mean, it's you know, yeah, it, it's unreasonable. And I think mm-hmm. that you're right. There are certain expectations on taking care of our own our own health. Yeah. But also, just but avoiding setting up people for failure is, is in the New Orleans heat. Like wearing very light clothing is taking care of your health. It, it's a it's a situation where you can't win. It is so hot that you yeah. should probably be wearing a t-shirt, something sleeveless, or if you're bold enough, just go shirtless, uh, because that's what you would do in that kind of heat. So I mean, so I think what this means is that we just need to have more events in the Yukon, in Nunavut, in the Northwest Territories. I think there should be a gay festival in Dawson City, and just <laughs> let's let's bundle up in the far north, watch the lovely aurora borealis. Uh, and then you're not you're not you know contaminating it because you're under 14 layers of, <laughs> of I think, clothing. I think you're overthinking it. I think what they need to do is have a party in a salt mine. In a, in a salt mine. Oh yeah. yeah. Also very also very cold. Because it's right. about it's about two degrees Celsius and the air is super dry because of the salt. So no sweating. Uh, cold, dry air, bad for virus transmission. Yeah, we are here for. You don't all have to fly to Alaska. Planning, uh, needs <laughs> exactly. All right, I want to talk about the Corner Pub in Wilton Manors, Florida. Now, did you hear about the Corner Pub in Wilton Manors, Florida? Recently? I have not, but if it's Florida, is this sort of a Florida man kind of a story? Where something... it kind of is. So okay. there was a gentleman in a in Florida. Um, who walked in to a gay bar, one of okay. the gay bars there, and pulls out a grenade. Oh dear! And shows very old oh dear, and shows it to the bartender. 
uh, one of the bar regulars, and we've talked about before about how you know it's important to have regulars, mm-hmm. uh, was a former Marine, a fantastic man called Darren Daryl Darling, uh, and goes over and immediately strikes up a conversation with this grenade wielding man that's walked into this bar. Okay. Uh, passes a note, and, and this is this is why I share it because it's such a fantastic story. Passes a note to the bartender, or the bartender passes a note to just somebody a little bit further down the bar, asking to discreetly evacuate the bar. Okay. So whilst the marine is keeping the guy busy talking, talking, figuring out why he brought a grenade into a, a crowded gay bar, right? Um, the bar gets it fully evacuated, everybody out. Mm-hmm. Police arrive on scene outside. The Marine then walks out with uh, the man that had the grenade. And as he's getting through the threshold, the Marine drops him, uh, d- disables him, and like pins him down and just waits for the police to show up with the handcuffs. Hmm. Uh, and that was it. And it was just such a great story. I mean, it's terrible that this man walked in with a grenade. But uh, essentially, he was apparently very mentally ill, um, you know, had access to these kinds of weapons, which is mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, incredible. The fact that he could get distracted by a charming conversation kind of implies that he didn't fully have his heart set on it. Uh, he was dangerous, but not necessarily committed to it, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Oh, easily distracted, or there was easily. a mental health component. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're saying yeah. the ADD saved the day. The what, sorry? The ADD. Well, it was this. It was the brave actions of this Marine. For sure, um, yeah. Who created an opportunity for people to leave the space mm-hmm. uh, and then tried to safely escort the man out. But then, uh, you know, really at the, the very first opportunity for, for making everyone safe, uh, dropped him and uh, took him down. This is a Florida man story in the end. Yeah. It is, but it's a yeah. nice Florida man. Yeah. Florida man saves other Florida men. Um, yeah. which, you know, is a, is a pleasant, uh, pleasant story. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of pleasant stories, the Prime Minister of uh, Singapore has recently announced that the British colonial era laws prohibiting same-sex uh, in, inter, intercourse mm-hmm. uh, will be lifted in Singapore. He, Singapore is a very conservative country. It's mm-hmm. uh, Section 337A is the piece in particular. And uh, he's essentially said, look, gay marriage, still not on the menu. Yep, yep. But, you know, actively criminalizing, consenting male adults. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that the country can, you know, that he, he believed that the country was uh, far enough along that they could lift that. Mm-hmm. It Was it the, the classic argument of, uh, you know, what you do in your own time is your own business. Plus, also, it turns out it's incredibly expensive to do this. Like, very expensive to track down, prosecute, find evidence, get people behind prison. Uh, I, I don't know what the threshold of legal evidence typically is in Singapore, but it's, it's pretty difficult to prove that stuff is happening in general. Yeah. Unless they're willing to accept the rumors, but I don't, I don't, I don't think... Well, furthermore, that to kind that, of legal uh, further to that fact, this was widely debated in Singapore in 2007. And essentially what the government decided in 2007 is we're not going to repeal the law. We're just going to pretend it's not there. 
Okay. And in the last 15 years, they have done nothing to enforce this law. They, they do not actively enforce this law. Okay. So it's been just a, a ghost law for 15 years. And the prime minister goes on to say, uh, and I quote, now, 15 years later, attitudes have shifted appreciably. While mm-hmm. we remain a broadly conservative society, gay people are now better accepted in Singapore, especially among younger Singaporeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so really reflecting this uh, evolution in attitudes. Now, you're familiar with Singapore and the more conservative attitudes in that, uh, in that area. Do you think that this is the, the start of a path or a milestone in their path to being more welcoming to LGBT folks? Uh, I think, I mean, this is a classic example of, I think they're going to do it in their own way. Like, I think they're going to get their own movement that's like the LGBTQ rights movement of the West, but it's going to be their own little version of it. Uh, the, the, the heavy hand of Confucianism, uh, really has an impact on society. And I know that this is definitely something that I noticed when I lived in Japan and in Hong Kong, actually. Um, that they were interested, even, even people who are fairly religiously conservative were really curious to find a way forward, but they needed to find a way that made sense in their own cultural context. Uh, and people are finding it little by little. So I think, I don't think they're going to end up with pride parades and gay bars with a dark room in the back like we have here. Um, but I do think they will find their own path. Uh, eventually, and this is a very good sign that, that it's happening faster than than we might expect. Absolutely. Well, we have run out of time. We will be playing uh, Meryl Buckley's uh, title track of uh, of her new uh, album called Everywhere I Used to Be. The title track being Everywhere I Used to Be by Meryl Buckley. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. I've never spoken to anyone Sad kind of thing that you'd see on somebody's TV.
stool I keep looking up and thinking you'll be there Oh, but tonight ain't my night There's no salvation inside down here 